On this podcast, we discuss medical diagnoses and procedures. All of the guests express their own opinions. You should always seek medical advice from a trained and credentialed professional when making decisions about your own health. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm Emma Cooksey, and I've been coping with sleep apnea since childhood. I didn't know anyone in my life with a sleep disorder, so I decided to start this podcast. I'm here to build community and provide a platform for people with sleep apnea to tell their stories. Together, we can shatter stereotypes and raise awareness. We'll be exploring all sorts of treatment options and lifestyle choices to help you live your best life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it's Emma Cooksey here, and I'm your host. So I deliberately um, chose this week to air this conversation I had with Dr. Jasmine Elmore. Um, And so last week we had Dr. Whitney Mostovitz-Levinson talking about her take on the AGA case um, and um, as a board certified orthodontist. So now we're kind of hearing from Dr. Elmore, who, even though we both talked about how we don't like the term airway dentist, she comes from that kind of airway dentist um, side of things. So I thought it was a really interesting discussion. um, And I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys take away from it. But so Dr. Elmore um uses a combination of myofunctional therapy, breath work, physical therapy, and a new appliance called the Soma, um, which is S-O-M-A. Um, so she talks all about it in the episode, but she's really focusing on people's nervous systems and how people can't get good sleep if their nervous system is always activated. So she talks a lot about her own journey and how she learned to use breath work and all these other tools to really bring her own nervous system under control. And that's how she tries to help her patients now. So I love this conversation. I hope you do too. So here's my conversation with Dr. Jasmine Elmore. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is long overdue. Long overdue. I feel like we're kind of already friends on Instagram, (laughs) but it's nice to actually get to have a conversation with you. A lot of the conferences I go to are a lot of older white men. (laughs) I mean, is it just me? I don't know. So I guess I'm just like curious as to like how you got into this, like what led you to kind of get into sleep and all of that. Just you know, you're not you're not wrong. There, there's an, an older white man was my mentor in all this. So I have to thank him for taking me under his wing and and saying we need more diversity in this field um, and just opened up his mind of knowledge. And I was just a sponge. His name is Barry Rayfield. People say Raphael, but it's actually pronounced Rayfield. He's an orthodontist in New Jersey. And um, he he was really my introduction introduction to the airway dental side of things. But my introduction to all of this as a whole actually came as a patient. Um, So in 2015, 16, after doing like, you know, all the things, I was working out seven days a week. I was really into bodybuilding. I was like super fit. I fell in the shower. And that fall in the shower kind of started this cascade of symptoms that I started to feel, started with my ankle. I had the nutty professor ankle. It was like three times its size, this big ankle. And, um, you know, I was hardcore, like workout person, like I'll, I'll be fine. I'll just keep working out. The and game tell forward. people really briefly. So you were working as a dentist though, right, right so, then when that happened. So I was in my, I was literally, it was one month before I would leave my residency program in Philadelphia and move to North Carolina. Got it. So for people who don't, we'll get into like nervous okay. system stuff. Cause like back yeah. then I had no awareness, but like big things like a move, a new job, those are big things to the nervous system. Yes. You gotta understand I was 27 years old. I started dental school at 21. 
I was 27 years old and I just was like, yeah, like, you know, like I'm young and I was working out all, I was fit and active. And so even though I, you know, busted up my ankle, other than that, I thought I was fine. And then I moved to North Carolina, had this new job. I was seeing about 50 to 60 kids a day. And yeah, and um, it just was a big change. 50 to 60 kids a day doesn't seem possible. It is. I've, I've seen over 30,000 children in my, in my dental wow. in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. High volume dentistry is, it's a gift and a curse. You learn a lot, um, but it's taxing on the nervous system. And I, I didn't really respect the nervous system back then. And so all this kind of led to, my, my busted up ankle, the pain came back. See, when the pain went away, I didn't care about it anymore, even though it was ugly looking, but there was no pain. So I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And then the pain came back in, in waves. And so I started seeing a bunch of different PTs, all like high educated. So you know, physical pain. therapist is that? Physical therapist, yes. I feel that. like sometimes yeah. because I have <laughs> listeners from all over the place, oh, sometimes yes, I'll, I'll get like little emails saying, so when they're saying this, do they mean, so I think in like the UK, it's like physiotherapist. Yes, physio. Yes. physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yes, we're fine. We're on the same page. Brilliant. Physiotherapist. Yes. So thank you for all of my worldwide listeners. Yes. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting how the bomb this podcast is, you know, let me, let me get my mind in the right place though. Physio, <laughs> physical therapist. Yes. Yes. Thank you for correcting that. Um, but yeah, I was seeing, I saw two, I had an aquatic physical therapist and then I had one that kind of was out of the water and they were great as far as really well-known, you know, by the book philosophies. And maybe it was just me, but the stuff didn't really work. And so I had a one concerned friend, her name is Brittany Herzberg. And she and was you were like, still focusing on the, on the ankle injury at that point. Like, still focusing sort of, on just yeah. the ankle. I had other aches and pains. Like I had an ailing shoulder at the time. I left shoulder, but I thought oh, I'm right-handed. It's not impacting my dentistry. I'm just going to keep going. But this ankle, I was literally like dragging my leg mm, around. People yeah. were really concerned and I'm in therapy and I wasn't getting better. So Brittany just said, Hey, see this PT and to speed the story up, you know, I saw this PT, he did his, his physical physio stuff on my ankle. And in two visits, I was like healed. So I was blown away that this guy could do this in two visits when I had been seeing other people for months. And so I had the courage to say, hey, I'm having some shoulder discomfort. So now that my ankle seems to be like on the right track, the ankle was 100% from the trauma of the fall. The the shoulder I was convinced was like dentistry and I had no idea about stress then, but I figured like the shoulder is more of a other kind of stuff problem. So I said, can you help me with my shoulder? And he's like, sure. Can I do what I usually do, which is not pain management? You know, you were in pain. Can we actually like get to the nitty gritty of like, real physical therapy. So I'm like, sure. So he says, okay, let me ask you a few questions. Okay. Tell me about how you breathe. I'm like, um, I take air in and out. I don't, I don't, what do you mean? How I, how do I breathe? You know, like, uh, normally. So he's like, okay, let me ask you an easier question. How's your sleep? And I'm like, no doctor to this point. I'm like 20. ever asked you about your sleep. Never, ever asked me. And like, I'm not even at a real, as a dentist, I feel this statement personally, but it's like, I'm not at a real doctor. I'm at a physical therapist. I'm not at like a wellness check, you know? Like, what do you mean my sleep? I go to sleep and I wake up. I guess the sleep is good, you know? And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay, let me ask you an easier question. Cause like my awareness was at zero. So he said, tell me about your teeth. I'm like, Okay, well, Mike, you know I'm a dentist. What about my teeth? And he's like, well, how do they fit together? When you bite down, do both sides touch equally at the same time? And I'm just like, just do the magic ankle stuff on my shoulder. Like, what, right. what does any of this have to do with my shoulder? Yeah. And he introduced me from a physio's mindset on the relationship between an unbalanced body. So forward head posture, hips rotated forward, this very tense body posture. For people listening, I'm attempting to correct all my things (laughs) because I've got all those. So yeah. And and listen, many of us it's like it's like when I interviewed James Nestor and I was like breathing like (laughs) that's right. Like let me it's James Nestor through my breath <laughs> he's asked so he's asking you about your breathing and your whether your teeth fit together and what were you saying just in my, my shoulder and, and i'm like i 
I, I, I didn't know the answer to any of these questions. So the answer was like normal. Everything's fine except my shoulder. I had zero right. awareness of what was really happening within my body. Mm-hmm. And he started talking to me about stress. And he was like, you know, seeing 60 kids a day is stressful. And I'm like, no, it's not. And it's like, okay, your mind may not perceive it as stress, but look at what your body's saying, right? And so you're he- working with kids from areas that, I mean, you're not working with affluent children, right? No, no, no. They're the kids that really need the help. Yeah, I mean, again, at that time, I had zero awareness I want to take the listeners back because most of the patients who consume my content, who come to me and have consumed my content, they're at ground zero of awareness. They really don't realize they have a problem. Like maybe their spouse tells them that they snore, but they don't really realize how bad their sleep really is. Or maybe they notice they have a couple aches and pains, but they really don't realize how bad things really are. And that's so critical because Mm -hmm. at that stage, I had no clue. And as Mike started asking me these questions and telling me about the connections, then I was like, what kind of dentist am I that I've never heard of the connections between like teeth and your feet? Like we went to a class together with dentists and and physiotherapists all in one room. And the guy said that teeth are your feet of the air and feet are your teeth of the floor. That's how intimately connected they are. And I was like, Mm. what? And this made sense only because I have terribly like caveman flat feet, flat, the flattest feet. My doctor said the flattest he had ever seen ever. Yeah. Right. So the only reason that kind of even like 2% made sense is because I have feet problems. If I didn't have any awareness of that, I would have probably walked out of the class like, this is just crazy. This makes no sense. And I was like, you know what? It has to be a connection, right? Because something's not right with my feet. And so, and then I just started thinking about sitting in the class, like 98% of it went over my head, but the 2% that did land all tied back to things I was struggling with. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was in college. So I started college at 17, four hours away from home, being sheltered by my single parent mom that, you know, it's just my mom and I, my whole life. And then I go to college and it's a new environment and new people. And I thrived. I graduated from college with a 4.0. However, my body did not thrive. I suffered many conditions and one of which was ulcerative colitis. The whole process of getting to that diagnosis was terrible. I had to take half of one of my semesters and chop it in half and drop some classes. I was going to the bathroom 16, 17, Mm. 18 times a day. I was such severe symptoms um, and was just being told like, oh, it's nothing. And then finally, when I turned 18, I was able to see an adult gastroenterologist and I was able to have that diagnosis just to find out, Emma, years later, that for the ulcerative colitis that I have, which is in that mild stage, I had severe symptoms, but mild ulcerative colitis, that actually the colitis is more so an impact to my nervous system and breathing. And that when I learned how to breathe and I started studying that, my colitis symptoms evaporated. So seeing the connection to all of these things, like I, what I do now was just a total manifestation of my own patient journey. And the things that I struggled with and the things that I tried to find, you know, resolution for my own symptoms and then just said, maybe I should help other people with this stuff. And that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. So when you started, so, so, um, after the, the PT or the physio that you went to and you went to that class. So then how did you start? Did you start a breathwork class or what was your first step? to try to figure all this out? Yeah, so that's a good question. My first step, so the physiotherapist and I went to the class, the dental class kind of all together. Did he fix your shoulder like he had for your ankle or he just left (laughs) it? No, no, he he did fix my shoulder. We actually thought that I might have a torn labrum. So I actually ended up having shoulder surgery. Once they got in there, it actually wasn't as bad as they thought. So thank God for that, was less severe. But because my nervous system was so ramped up, what should have been probably a three-week recovery was a three-month recovery. And so my nervous system really like all of those things tied together. I also bought a practice at the same time. And so I was out of work. Thank goodness for Mr. American Express, because that paid my bills for three months. Mm -hmm. And I just decided, well, I'm out of work. I'm in between bum shoulder. I'm in between buying this new practice. Let me just travel and go to courses. And so I started going to a bunch of different courses. And so I met Dr. Barry Raphael at one of those courses, which was on tongue ties, like phrenectomies, 
mm-hmm. restrictions. I'm not sure which language your audience will resonate with, but All limited. That. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, so yeah, so limited oral tissues. And and at the course, um, we were at dinner and Dr. Barry asked me if I knew what myofunctional therapy was. And I was like, myo, well, I don't want to, I don't want to cuss. With, say, say it slower for me. I don't, I have no idea. Again, yeah. it's at zero. And he started talking to me about it. And I just was really interested because he said he had patients who were traveling from North Carolina, where I lived and worked, up to New- upper New Jersey. almost. Yeah. New York. Yeah. And at the time, I had no idea that people would travel for care. And I'm like, um, but at the time, my awareness was at zero. Was like, mm-hmm. What is this thing? Right. So I was intrigued. And he thankfully, I'm telling you, Dr. Dr. Barry is a one of a kind person. I call him my my airway fairy godfather um, because he just said, OK, I'm going to teach you everything. And it's let's start with an airway mini residency. So I I took his airway mini residency, which took me to the beginning of like embryology and how we got here it's with small jaws and how those things impact our body. And remember, I already knew a little bit of stuff from the, the physio side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I think that gave me an advantage over some of the other dentists who didn't understand the physio side. They didn't understand yeah. the whole body connections so because they didn't suffer the way I did. But um, the airway mini residency was fantastic. So I learned a lot. It was um, multiple months. So it was a multiple So when month. you say airway, like I know what you're talking about, but I think a lot of people out there in the public, like that doesn't really mean that much to people. So yeah. what are you speaking about? You're talking about um, like facial development in children airway and facial development in children and making sure that jaws grow properly and or do you want to define what you're talking about yeah full children and and all the way through adulthood so i'll preface this by saying that i consider myself a rebel of sorts um i don't subscribe to any cult theories um and that has been my advantage so i will say i hate the term airway dentistry. I think it's it's terrible. However, (laughs) I have to use terms that people understand because my DMs are like, well, what do you do exactly? And I'm like, well, so when I say airway dentistry, what I mean is there's this growing field in dentistry where these dentists have taken the time to learn additional education about how your teeth tie into your body's breathing and sleep capabilities. Mm -hmm. So they have an understanding of small jaws. They know what it means to try to recapture your growth. It depends on what part of the life stage you're in. So the younger you are, when growth and development are still rapidly occurring, we're more on the growth develop growth and development side of things. The older you are, there's a misnomer that you stop growing. That is a misnomer. When we are in medical and dental school, we study cadavers. And cadavers are dead. So when we study dead people, they don't have cerebral spinal fluid flowing through their bodies. They don't have circulation of blood and oxygen. So mm-hmm. of course the sutures of the bones as we study them are fused. Of course, yeah. why wouldn't they be? This person is no longer breathing. Mm-hmm. But when we study and understand living humans, we understand that while our sutures of our skull mature, they do not fuse until much later in the life cycle. So some research- Super that- controversial, right? Super controversial, but backed by- not like research from now. I have learned this stuff. I went back and looked at stuff from the 1900s, from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's in there. It's in the research. So it's backed by research. Whether or not we choose to look at it or not, controversy, I'll say this about, I'll pivot for a second about controversy. There's controversy right now about additives and preservatives in food. When the fact of the matter is, if you have birthed a young child and you have someone whose life came out of your body, or if it's a dad and you contributed to the life, and you care more about that little individual than you do anything else, you don't want to put additives and preservatives in that baby that have been proven to be disastrous, regardless of what media tells you it's not. Yeah. You know what precautions you're going to take. So the only controversy about our ability to continue to breathe and fuse is by those who choose to profit off of the knowledge that we don't. Mm-hmm. So you can go back. I, I can, any listeners who want to DM me, I can show you hundreds and hundreds of years of research that says that we, we, we don't fuse, we mature. And that makes sense, Emma, if you think about car accidents. And we were just one fused together system. Every time you had a severe impact, you break into a billion pieces. Our body has to have some type of flexibility. 
Mm-hmm. I've knocked myself in the tooth by accident a couple times with a fork, with playing with my dog with a toy. And if my if everything was fused together, it would break immediately. There's give there. We have joints, we have fluid, there's movement. And so there's a maturity. No, my body is not as flexible and movable as it was at six, but things are not totally fused. There's growth that still happens. The fact that I can cut my hand and skin grows back on top. The fact that we know through cancer research, we can impact growth. There's always growth within a living body. And so once I understood those things from people who didn't have much to profit from teaching me things, my mind kind of expanded to know more things. So back to the urban industry. I hate that term, but usually yeah. the dentists that have additional knowledge and training, how advanced their knowledge and training is depends on who they learn from, what type of things they study. And so I always encourage the moms I speak to all over the country to ask questions. And as people get defensive about what they know or evasive, they probably don't know much <laughs> because those who yeah. do will talk your head off. They will yeah. tell you all the things they know. And then you can go and look those things up and prove them. So yeah. right on. Yeah. I think I'm just coming at it with uh it's just been a strange couple of weeks. And from a patient perspective, the whole, you know, like there's been all the lawsuits about the AGA thing and and you know, like I just was was reading a couple of comments, you know, made by dentists who are not trained in airway saying you know, it's up to patients to check that, you know, their appliances are FDA approved and, and all this kind of stuff. And I think that it just becomes this like quagmire for patients to try and navigate. It's really hard. There's no real guidance on who to trust in this stuff. There's not. There, so there is. And, and here's the thing. I lean into, most people avoid the uncomfortable. I lean yeah. into the uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's because my background (laughs) of being, I coached basketball for 10 years. I had to have difficult conversations with parents about your kid's just not good enough right now to start. You have to have thick skin for for that kind of business. And, you know, it's one of those things where parents would come in to me as a pediatric dentist, convinced I was going to hurt the child, convinced their child was going to die. And I have them sit, some offices, the parents don't stay in the room. They go in the waiting room. I have every parent sit right in the corner. We have rules. Don't speak unless spoken to their piece of furniture, but I've had every parent for the last 10 years sit right in that corner and watch their child thrive, watch their child not cry, not wince, not move. And I look at their faces out the corner of my eye and to see their mind blown. So because of my experience, with just life stuff. And and I would add in because I did an interview recently where the guy asked me, does my race play a factor in this? Does my race and my background play a factor in my desire to be excellent. And I had never had someone, this was not a black person that asked me this question. It was an older white man, but I had never thought about it. And now that he has put that seed into my mind, I will say that with that, with all of these things in mind, I will tell you that I do not avoid having these conversations. You are absolutely correct. There's not a regulation or rule process. And the thing is there won't ever will be. And the reason is because patients really have to understand that most of the people who design the rules don't come in with a patient's best interest in mind. And I learned that when I ran this office that I run that's in a low income area and we see 7,000 kids. The unfortunate reality is that this is not going to stop, right? That when you, so I've, I've seen it on the patient side and I now have run a practice on the doctor's side, right? So as a practicing doctor owner money is a factor like people are driven like when I go to the doctor I have so much sympathy or just empathy for them because that doctor has to see patients in a particular time frame yes they cannot go over that time frame that doctor doesn't run that practice they report to someone else Mm -hmm. who then looks at how many patients they've seen and they do everything through billing and codes yeah and I learned that because when I mentioned the colitis journey I had all these things tackled to my colitis. I never knew this as a patient when I was 17, 18. When I became a dentist and went to get disability insurance and was denied for disability insurance at 29 years old, I was like, what's wrong? Actually, 27 years old. I was like, what's, I'm healthy. What? They had tacked so many codes, Emma, to my visits. I had um, rheumatoid arthritis. So they can bill more. 
so they can build more. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't have rheumatoid arthritis. I had some joint pain and it was called colitis associated arthritis, but there's no code for that. So they coded rheumatoid arthritis. All the things. And then when I went to go get disability insurance years later, they're like, you have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm like, wait a minute. No, I don't. And then the mess I had to untangle. So when you understand medicine in this country, you'll understand that you have to be your own advocate as a patient. You cannot rely on the system. And I actually see that as a good thing because reality is nobody's going to care more about your treatment than you. And I would not have been having this conversation on your amazing podcast if I had not for my own self as a patient said, wait a minute, I love these physiotherapists. They're great, but this isn't working for me. And how yeah. do I get the answer for me? And then I had a friend that said, hey, go to this guy that I didn't want to go to because he took cash and he didn't take insurance, but it was the best $150 I ever spent in my life. But I had to do that for myself. I had to yeah. navigate it myself. I had to try out certain people and not work. And I wish it wasn't the case. But it's going to forever be the case unless we change the way things work in this country. And I don't see that. While we still have. It's not happening in the short term. <laughs> no, we still have yeah. kids getting shot at school and we still have race conversations and we're still focused yep. on all kinds of crazy stuff. When I was introduced to dentistry. So I, I don't know if you've heard this story. I think I mentioned it on the Airway Circle podcast, how I knew no dentist. I had no desire to be a dentist. Yeah. I randomly called me and said, hey, you're going to be a dentist. So he owned three very similar practices, 97% Medicaid. So that was all I knew. So when I came into dentistry from that perspective, I purchased a practice that was 97% Medicaid because I wanted to help people. And the longer I've been doing this for 10 years, and what became so abundantly clear to me years ago is that most people don't want to help themselves. The internal will to be well isn't engaged. And that you can plant a seed and help them. But there is a piece, it's a fine line. There's a song and dance between you have to want to help yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's a difference between wanting to help yourself and not having the resources. And that's where you and I jump in. But there's a lot of people who don't want the help. Yeah. So for us to come in and for me to care so much about your oral hygiene and for me to care so much about your life yeah. and the things you're eating and me to care so much about your little little kidney and liver you're three and how it's going to grow and sitting in yeah. juice and all that, but your parent doesn't care, then I have to take a step back and now it's not my place anymore. And so it's the savior complex right. that I didn't really understand until I bought yeah. my office. Um, but with the airway stuff, I really wish, I mean, it would be easy, right? Like life would be so easy if there was one unifying board and there was one standard of guidelines, but that almost dangerously makes me think about dentistry and all the things I learned about fluoride in dental school. And then I did my own research later on. I don't even use fluorinated toothpaste for myself. So as a provider, I let the family decide. And I had a parent come in recently and go, you're the first provider that's ever made it okay for me not to want fluoride. And I'm like, well, it's your choice. Also, I didn't listen to what they taught me in dental school. I did my own research. And based Mm -hmm. on my own research, I'm not sure it's for everyone, right? Like, it's for some people. It's not for some other people. It's not yep. for everyone. Um, and so it's scary almost to think of like, well, do I want a board regulating this? Because there's a board regulating the other stuff that I do. And that's kind of led me down a shit I know. path. Um, it depends on like, it takes a lot to know and understand what's really happening. Like just because someone's airway may be small in appearance doesn't mean that airway is the problem. That's why I right. told you like that airway dental, dental term. But it's like, Airway is one problem. Mm-hmm. There, there's neurology that can be a problem. There are other pathologies that can be a problem. Yep. Nutrition can be a Inflammation problem. Inflammation can be a huge can be problem. A problem. There are many problems and a lot of them stack on top of each other. Yes. And so the more knowledge- Which I think what makes sleep apnea is so frustrating and so difficult because I think, I feel like people, you know, even if they try to address some part of it, like quite often there's- systemic inflammation or like you know there's another part to it and it's just a lot so take us back to your like so I don't think we got all the way to the end of you like figuring out how you would feel better so you were saying so you 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 went and you learned a bunch about airway dentistry did you then so did you start myofunctional therapy was that kind of your first nope I so I what I did was I learned about I told you about Dr. Barry Rayfield. Yes. And then he had 
a guy who was doing a residency in his space whose name is Roger Price. And Roger Price talked to me about breathing only for about five minutes and it blew my mind. And I spent lots of money and went down a rabbit hole on breathing that I'm thankful for. But mm-hmm. he told me about everything comes down to taking your next breath, that nothing else matters and unless you take the next breath. And so I, that's when I went down the breathing rabbit hole. So before I went down the mile rabbit hole, I knew about mile, but I went down a breathing rabbit hole first. And yeah. so what I learned in, and this is higher education breathing I'm talking about, not a breathwork course. Um, I actually have a degree that's in breathing analysis. So we have something called a capnometry. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So we have something called capnometry. We use this machine so we can measure CO2 levels. And it's it's a whole science, but the government uses it in PTSD research and a bunch of different things. But in this two-year master's degree program, what I learned is that breathing is as equal psychological as it is structural and functional. And so nobody had really talked about the psychology of breathing, as in there's this point, I call it the space between the kitchen the kitchen sink and the countertop or between the stove and the refrigerator is like a little space. There's a space where everything melts together, your physiology, your psychology, your function, everything. And unfortunately, like, the physios don't understand the psychology and the dental. The dentists don't understand the physio and the psychology. The psychologists don't understand. Like it's, we're all in these little silos, mm-hmm. but if you actually like mesh it together, there's a point where they really meet and come together. Mm. And so to uncomplicate that, I call that the nervous system. And so when I understood the nervous system and then I went and I got a cert- certificate as a myofunctional specialist, I have a certification in oral facial myology. That was a three month program that I did. So I just kept going down rabbit holes. But as I learned about the neurology and learned about nervous system, I started and stopped myo. And the reason is because my nervous system was so cranked and amped up that you that it's just not just the right all time. the time, all the time. Yeah. Um, that is not the right time. And so, and and I was getting a lot of like, I didn't have Instagram then, but I was getting a lot of feedback from people who trusted me to guide them on like where to start. And I would get so frustrated with myself because I like to have the answers and I didn't have an answer. And then I found the answer. And the answer is if your nervous system is so wrecked and so turned up, your muscles are tight and calcified and stiff. So trying to do myo, I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to make improvements. I love myofunctional therapy. I work right. with multiple myofunctional therapists. But if your nervous system is just trashed and wrecked, you're not ready yet for myo. You know, mm-hmm. the right treatment in the wrong sequence is just as dangerous as the wrong treatment altogether. It's about treatment sequencing. And so for a lot of people, myself at the time, it was, you need to calm down. And when you first start calming down, your body runs from calm because you don't know calm. You don't know that feeling. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel safe. And so I needed to be able to be on when I needed to be on. Like I was lecturing now, I was traveling the world, going to Australia, all these different places. So I needed my sympathetic nervous system. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. But I also needed for the few vacations I took, like the one per year, to be able to enjoy the beach and sit there and go, oh, this is relaxing. Instead, I was on my phone and stressed out. And what's my practice doing? And and then I'd be at dinner with my fiance on a date night. And then here I am on the phone and stressed out. And so I my nervous system just needed to like, Woosa, you know. Yeah. And so- this episode of Sleep Apnea Stories is sponsored by BetterHelp. How well we look after our mind really affects how we experience life. Therapy has been so helpful to me since I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. It helped me to work through the feelings I had about going undiagnosed for so long. It also helped me to adjust to living with a chronic condition. One of the best things about starting my podcast has been realizing I'm not alone in coping with mental health issues along with sleep apnea. Speaking to a professional therapist has helped me enormously to manage my anxiety and depression. BetterHelp is online therapy and it's much more affordable than in-person sessions. You can get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. 
Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Emma. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Emma. For me, that was the start. Like I learned all of this stuff and then I couldn't really apply any of it to my patients because number one, it was just floating all around in my head. And number two, I was still suffering. Yeah. So the nervous system was the start. And so once I fixed my nervous system and got it to understand this balance. And how did you do that? Yeah. So the, the <laughs> easiest way to describe it is a multi-step, multi-step process. But what I did was first and foremost, that PT, just the amazing guy that helped my shoulder, mm-hmm. also specializes in calming the nervous system, a combination of like breathing and posture together. Um, so I started with him. And then I started working with my own breath coach. His name is Campbell Will on Instagram. He's, I always forget it, but I think it's breath body therapy. I wrote it's it down therapy. so we can tell everyone it's breath, yeah. body, breath therapy. body therapy. Yeah, he's amazing. And we'll link to it because like, Yes. So of anybody I follow on Instagram, is he not just in the perfect job for him? Like, I feel like he was put on the earth to teach people how to breathe. And and listen, a lot of people teach people how to breathe, but they only understand like breathing. Like maybe they taught yoga. No offense to anybody that teaches yoga, but maybe yeah. they taught yoga and they were introduced. He's a physiotherapist. Like, so yeah. he's, he understands the, and he came in like me, skeptical. He yes. came in like breathing can't change my life like that. It's it's not that big of a deal. And then was like, whoa, breathing changed my life. Let me teach others by understanding that breathing yeah. is, is breathing is a is a it's a physiology, it's an art, it's a science. A lot of people use breathing as a sport. Like he teaches Wim Hof and all the cool stuff. But yeah. Campbell's really adamant about if you don't know how to functional daily every yes. breath breathing. Functional daily breathing. And so yeah. even though I had this degree and knew all this stuff and I had all the smarts and all the certifications and all the knowledge, I still was not able to apply it for myself. So in addition to seeing Mike, that amazing PT that all my soma patients see because he's that good, I started working with Campbell. So I tackled the breathing from the structural side with, with uh, Mike. And then I struck. So Campbell's in Australia, right? He's an Aussie. He's an Aussie. So you just went to Australia to hang with him? No, we we do virtual. So now he's in Jersey. He lives, he floats between Jersey, Philly and Australia. Okay. Anybody in the world can work with Campbell. Although I hope they don't all at once because then he won't have time for me. Right. (laughs) <laughs> we do virtual sessions. So he had a he That's had a thirteen week program called From Warrior to Warrior. And I think if it was called from like anxiety to I probably wouldn't have taken it because I didn't really resonate with anxiety that felt broken to me. But yeah. warrior felt like, yeah, I'm a warrior. Um, from warrior to warrior. And and it 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 with that and Mike together. That started helping my nervous system calm down. And I had started studying the Soma appliance in 2019. And this all started happening in 2020, in 2021, Mike and Campbell kind of together. Um, but in 2019, I learned about the Soma. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard of, but I couldn't understand it. I was in baby stages of knowledge. I just didn't get it. And so um, Dr. DeCruz called me randomly out of the blue and wanted me to work with his mentor, who's a very well-known psychologist. He ended up passing away before I could work with him, Hmm. but um, he wanted me to work with him. And I'm like, why would you want me to do it? I don't even understand your work. And he told me I was a healer and I had identified as that, but had never articulated how I felt. I didn't really feel like a dentist anymore. I felt like, I didn't feel like an airway dentist. I felt like something else, but I couldn't articulate how I felt. And he said, you're a healer you want to engage people's internal will to be well, which is what I did when I coached, right? Like, let's get it out of you. Let's put it on you. I'll be here as your guy, but it's on you. And in that first conversation, which is very different from the traditional dentist, just kind of telling people what they should be doing. Yeah. Here's an appliance. I've adjusted it for you. Put it in your mouth. Come back and see me in this time. Right. What does your body want? What does your body say? How's how's your life? You know, did you move to a new place? Did you start a new job? Is there discord in your family? Like mm-hmm. nobody really understanding the, the things that impact sleep and sleep apnea, you know? Yeah. And so Dr. DeCruz was like the, the first person that really tied it together for me. And 
once I started. And he's in Australia, right? And he's another yeah. Aussie. I got, I've got a preference. I got a, a you thing got for thing Aussie, for the know? Australians. I got and, and for my and for my, my, my Scottish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> that, you know that too. Um, but once I started working with Mike and and um, Campbell together, my nervous system calmed down. Soma came back. I wasn't able to really perceive it and and do it because I was so ah, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna learn this and I'm gonna yeah. this and information overload once I centered myself and I figured out who Jasmine was not Dr. Elmore but Jasmine once I really assessed my life the legacy I want to leave what am I doing here what am I doing mm-hmm. this for um Soma for this was 2021 Soma came back around and so I started really studying it I was studying it a little amongst other appliances, ALF and HomeoBlock and a bunch of other things, Vivo. Mm-hmm. So I, I sat through all those classes, FAG, AG, all of them. And they never really resonated with what I wanted to achieve. It wasn't tooth movement I wanted to achieve. It wasn't jaw expansion I wanted to achieve. It was something else. And I still couldn't articulate it, but I knew I wasn't. Wellness. I, You know, it, like. It was, it was, I've articulated it now. It's, it's when life hits you with stuff right how can you be properly equipped to life when life starts lifing um i wanted my patients to not be dependent on me but when things fell apart around them to almost have this invisible shield where they were always the calm in the storm um i call it the i was the gardener in a war and i was a warrior in a garden I, 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 you know, if I needed to be calm, I was always too turned up. And then if yeah. I needed to have that conversation with an employee that was uncomfortable, I would, I would run. I was just so, it was fear that, that, that led mm-hmm. a lot of my life. Fear made me successful, but fear made me unhealthy. And so I wanted my patients to be really fearless and be able to deal with life. And I, and none of those appliances, no offense, to those appliances, because yeah. I don't think they're designed to do that. They're designed to right you and this and that but I wanted people to like live longer and feel better and it lasts mm-hmm. 20 years from now not mm-hmm. you got to do this treatment every five years right and so like Soma and Dr. DeCruz and I could like hear it calling me once my nervous system so so for people listening how did you I think I I know what you mean but how did you realize that your nervous system after working on the breath and, and with the phys- physical physical therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that my brain just goes, "It's a physiotherapist." Physio, physio. we'll take physio. So, physio. so what was it that that you you just felt calmer, or or how did it manifest in your actual body? Like, how did you know? Oh, my nervous system is actually in a much better place now. Yeah, it it's the awareness that breathing gives you. It's why I like it as the start, right? So um, another controversy, because we are talking about controversies earlier, is mouth tape. I right? love it. Super controversial. <laughs> yeah. But when I taped my mouth, after about maybe eight nights, I woke up and I felt refreshed. Same crap diet back then, same stress nervous system. <laughs> I just felt like, wow, like I slept. Yeah. And I hadn't felt that before. So if Eight days before I would have tried to talk to that Jasmine, I couldn't understand what it was like to feel even a slither of rest. Now the mouth tape lasted, you know, it doesn't last forever, but right. I once I could taste like, oh, this is rest when you sleep, yes. then I could understand. So for my nervous system, thinking back to that first conversation with Mike when I was like, I breathe how I breathe, I sleep how I sleep, yeah. and awareness to just a little stage of awareness above that, it took for me to work with Campbell and Mike and tackle breathing from two different ways and then realize this new calm centeredness that when I would get a phone call that my office was on fire or whatever, that I would just deal with it as it came, not the guilt, the shame, the anger, the hurt, the woe is me, the life's always against me, those types of things that I never knew as young Jasmine. Young Jasmine was the ultimate optimist. Young Jasmine was the happiest person in the world. There's a story my mom loves to tell about how we were out at a, at a store and I was playing with a toy and a kid came over and snatched the toy out of my hand, just snatched it out of my hand. And I didn't say anything. I don't remember this story, but my mom remembers. I didn't say anything. I just got up to the toy chest, went to get a new toy and sat back down. 
And the kid's mom went up to my mom and said, oh my God, my son, he snatched this toy from your daughter and she didn't do anything. She didn't say anything. She just went up and got another toy. My mom said, yeah, that's what she's supposed to do because that's how I raised her. But it's funny because that was how I was my entire life, Emma, until I wasn't. Until yeah. I bought this practice and the Jasmine I knew for 30 years was gone. I was always on edge. I was angry. Not not the not the the, the face I showed to the world. Yeah. I was but inside I was your body. Inside. Mm. I was upset. I was hurt. I feel like I made this stupid decision to buy this practice where I'm seeing 60 people. I have friends who see six people and they make the same profit. And this was dumb. Jasmine, yes. you're stupid. You're so dumb. Why would you try to help people? No one cares. And no one's donating supplies for your 97% Medicaid office. And no one's helping you. You're stupid. You're dumb. Like all these thoughts I never experienced, right? And I started gaining weight. And I grew up in a family where like weight gain is a big deal. I grew up in a family where you need to be small. I was small my whole life. And then I started getting fat. And then it's, you're dumb. How are you fat? So I never knew that, Jasmine. But mm. when my nervous system has always been wrecked ever since I was a little kid. But then when the tides turned, I was like, I'm not me. And when mm. I started feeling like me again, that's when I knew, okay, now when bad stuff happens. This is how, yeah. Okay, bad stuff happens. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. So, so did you, so you started using the Soma appliance yourself? I, so I use the Soma. So the way I do it is funny. You know, I'm a rebel. I don't wear it to my patients. <laughs> You're like, I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. I don't I wear do. it to where my patients wear it. I wear it and then I stop wearing it because I want to know when I have a patient that's non-compliant, how it's going to work, what's going to happen, what changes stick, what changes don't stick. So for the last like six months, I've been in and out of the Soma purposely because I've been experimenting with myself. But um, when I started understanding the Soma was when I read this book called Dental Distress Syndrome. It's an older book. It's from the 80s. Um, back to our research. You talk about research and wanting to know stuff like yep. the 1970s. You said Dental Distress Syndrome? Dental Distress Syndrome. Okay. And you can buy it at... I'm going to link Dr. it in the show Dr. notes. Founder, TMD Resources. Okay. Um, so it comes with, well, not comes with, you have to buy them separately, but for the dentist listening, there's a DVD series from 1981 um, that's like a five-part DVD series. The quality is terrible because <laughs> it's from 1981, but the lessons I learned in here combined with this book tied together everything that Dr. DeCruz was telling me about the Soma that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so, and this book, it's, it's crazy. I'm going to send you a copy because I, I wanted to send you a copy before, but I'm going to mail you a copy, but okay. 19, it talks about Excited. the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize in medicine and physiology, not dentistry and physiology, medicine and physiology was about dentistry, about the rag bag of rheumatism, arthritis, asthma, depression, depth of sleep, overall cheerfulness, mm. mental alertness, all these different things and the musculature of the body and teeth. 1973 Nobel Peace Prize. Like, so this book, first of all, changed my life because it came with science and research and real information, but it helped me understand what Dr. DeCruz was saying because even though he was saying it and I believed him, I couldn't, it was just so different than anything yeah. I'd ever learned. My, so, my was like, so the actual appliance, like, is, is it, an expander or... okay so let's, let's talk about it let's talk about it so it is it's a three in one okay it's tackling three problems at once the first problem when we talked about where to start nervous system the first problem is for most people whose nervous system is really wrecked they can't open their mouths very wide their their jaw opening is very limited mm -hmm. and their head turn is very limited. And what Dr. DeCruz told me that has stuck with me, he told me this when I was in Australia last year. He wasn't talking to me. He was actually talking to a patient that I had my notebook out. He <laughs> said, at the end of the day, we're all primates, right? We all have a primal background. And so in our history, you're either prey or predator. And if you cannot open your mouth to show your teeth, arr, to bare teeth to whoever's trying to attack you, and if you cannot turn your head to see your predator coming, then your nervous system will always think you're a prey. You're in prey mode all the time. And so for mm. him, head turn and jaw opening are two of the biggest measurements that he looks at. 
And I've never really heard anybody talk about head turn and jaw opening when it came to an oil appliance. So the first thing that it does is get something called pivoting of your jaw. So Dr. DeCruz talks about how most appliances hinge your jaw. So you open, mm -hmm. but he gets this pivoting. And I saw one of his patients open 75 millimeters. And for your audience, that's like a whole hand yeah. going into your mouth. And I'm thinking, I've never seen, all I've seen are people where you tell them open and they're like, they yeah. don't open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's because the muscles are so tight. The muscles are so calcified. And so the first thing the Soma really does is get your jaw to go from hinge to pivot and get your so, jaw. Open. So it helps with temporomandibular dysfunction, 100%. I would imagine. That's why he designed yeah. it originally. And then he okay. saw all these other things over over time. Yeah. And so it's it's he says jaw opening is like Tai Chi. And so if you understand the balance, the movements, the breathing that goes of Tai Chi, he said jaw openings like Tai Chi. And so the first thing it does is get your jaw open and, and pivot. And that's a big thing with the nervous system. The mm -hmm. second thing it does is that it balances the teeth on both sides. And balance is important because as you move in space and as you walk, your body, even though I have a left hand and a right hand and a left foot and a right foot, when the body doesn't perceive things in that way with proprioception, that's how you kind of trip and fall. Like I was that kid that had amazing hand-eye coordination. I played all the sports, but I was going to trip and fall and stub my toe every day. I mean, I'm clumsy. People are mm -hmm. these clumsy people, these people who can't cut with scissors, they can't cut in a straight line. Those are proprioception things. And that goes mm -hmm. back to reflexes that were not properly integrated during birth. We don't have time to get into embryology, but like deep understandings of reflexology and embryology have to do with those things. Mm -hmm. But when you understand like how the body moves in proprioception, so like Mike, remember the physiotherapist taught me about pelvis rotated forward, head tilted forward. So I understood how the body moves and how the body sees the world when your head's forward and things like that. So mm -hmm. this appliance balances you on both sides. And most of us are not balanced. Our molars are not balanced. And that, that, that balance issue goes back to the dental distress syndrome and it sends those chaotic signals to the brain and sends mm. lots of confusion. It locks up the cerebral spinal fluid in the body as well. Um, and so it balances you, it gets your jaw to open. And yes, there's expansion that happens with it as well, but that usually happens after about three to four months. Once those muscles calm down, remember when the muscles are tight and calcified, you're fighting against them. I can move your teeth, but then the muscles are fighting right back. And mm -hmm. my hopes but not if you have this neurological, this 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 mm -hmm. not nervous system. So the actual mechanism of it is mm -hmm. it expand like is it you get a bunch of different ones at different sizes or it's, it's got just, some it's sort of a, turning a, thing? Yeah, so it has it's it's a, it's the one appliance. I thought that I brought it. I'll ch I'll check this in a second. I thought I brought it, but it's one appliance, and it's designed to do those three things. So the height in the back with the acrylic is is the vertical support that's going to get the jaw to hinge and pivot both sides of the acrylic have to be balanced which means if you put it on a flat table it may rock because maybe on this side my teeth are a little higher up than this side mm -hmm. and the appliance is trying to balance me so it's not just going to be flat right and then in the and middle this is custom made for each this is custom made yeah. to each person 100 okay. um, and then in the middle there's an expansion screw but let me tell you how it works the first three to four months I see someone, we don't touch the expansion screw because we're calming the nervous system. We're relaxing the muscles. We're balancing the bite. We're getting the head to turn. After the muscles kind of start to melt and kind of relax, now we can expand. But here's how we expand. When you wear it after a certain number of nights, that number of nights is different for everyone. You'll go to put it in and it'll just fall out. It'll be loose because your body has naturally expanded itself. And that's when you touch the expansion screw and it gets uh, just enough so that when you put it back in, it fits not too tight, not like squeezing and not loose. It fits like I feel this jacket on my body. It's not right. squeezing. It's a good fit. The appliance just goes in. You should be able to take it right out. It just fits So it's in. more like it's keeping up with what your body's doing rather it's, than forcing it. It's decide what it wants to do. Yeah. And so after another, let's just pick a number, 30 nights, you're going to put it in. It's going to be loose again. You touch the screw again. So after a year, you're going to get expansion. After two years, you're going to have more expansion. But it happens as your body is ready for it. So that way, those results last and stay mm -hmm. versus us forcing and doing them. On, I mean, I can move your jaws to wherever I want, but then the body is going to decide it doesn't want that. And it's going to mm -hmm. you know, fight back. 
And um, so it's expansional. How, how many, like, are people wearing it just when they sleep? Just when they sleep. Just yeah. when they sleep. It's, it's meant to be really easy. So like when I go to Mike and I do my PT with him, my physio with him, he wants me to have it in because it keeps my body more centralized and balanced. Got when it. I have a really wrecked week, he'll be like, Jasmine, did you wear your Soma to drive? Because I have an hour commute to work. He's like, did you wear your Soma to commute? Um, and so I may pop it in um, when I commute. I, I originally recommended that for a few patients, but now I realize that if your nervous system is wrecked and you're a clencher grinder then and you're awake, you're just clenching and grinding into it. You don't have that relaxation yet. Yes. Um, but for those who are kind of in the later stages and more relaxed and they want to be a little more balanced, they just pop it in then. And so it's, it's slowly starting to correct the cranial changes. Like if you ever look at a face and you see like one eye is higher than the other, ears higher than the other kind of thing. I've got, I've yeah. got that face. It's trying to <laughs> slowly correct the face mm-hmm. um but how it helps with because we're on the sleep after your podcast yeah I was, so I, I, that was going to be my next question, <laughs> question. yeah <laughs> what's um, it got to do with sleep apnea <laughs> yeah so so i'll preface that by saying i don't work with severe sleep apnea patients because if your oxygen is dropping into the 60s and 70s then an alternative treatment plan is probably not where we're at in your journey you're, yeah. you're just not ready yet for that so the people who come to me are usually the ones who have upper airway resistance syndrome mm-hmm. or mild sleep apnea, mm-hmm. and there's just no real solution for them yet. Um, and they've probably it, even gone through going to the doctor, having a sleep study, and then being told, even though you have symptoms, your AHI is not high enough for yes. sleep and then they're just kind of sent home. <laughs> yes, that's exactly and precisely yeah. who I work with. And so um, the easiest way, because we've, we've gone into some in-depth combo, which I'm sure people will appreciate. Some people looking for these details. That's why I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about that. To just simplify, when the jaw comes forward, not to a particular number, just when the jaw comes forward, there's more oxygen that's going to be in the system. And so oxygen, people don't think about this because I didn't think about it until Dr. Cruz mentioned it. But if you ever run a marathon, and your muscles start to get tight, that's the lactic acid coming into play. Mm -hmm. So the more oxygen that you can get, it keeps the lactic acid at bay. And so pain goes down. So it's one of the reasons why TMD and things are helped when you get that jaw forward. And so with sleep, specifically with the people that I work with, it's not about their AHI and their oxygen. It's about their respiratory disturbance index. And it's about what their heart rate is doing while they're asleep. And yeah. so their sympathetic nervous system in their sleep is like, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's about calming the nervous system down and that when you calm the nervous system down, the sleep improves. Mm-hmm. What people forget to remember is that how you sleep at night is how you breathe during the day. So that because my patients also work with Mike, when they come from, I had a patient travel from Michigan. She came and she saw Mike and me together. I have a patient coming from Florida next month. She's going to see Mike and myself together. And then they're also going to see Campbell. We're doing daytime nervous system relaxation with the Soma helping us with the nighttime nervous system relaxation. So for these Mm -hmm. particular people, the nervous system is the issue. And as their nervous system calms, that sleep apnea diagnosis is going to fall away because the issue is really the heart rate and what the heart rate is doing to impact their sleep. It's not their oxygen. Their oxygen is not dropping down into the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Now, for people who do have oxygen deficits, I have one particular patient where she's going to be in a nasal CPAP, right, and then have her soma with it because she wants a treatment plan. She wants to resolve this over time versus just having just only the CPAP for, you know, an extended period of time. But I think that's a really smart way to do it because then you know you're keeping the airway open and getting enough oxygen and you know, and you're not having that, like every, every time you have an apnea, having that, you know, um, nervous system reaction all the time, which is going to be like the opposite of what you're trying to do. So that's super interesting. So, but for people listening, so they don't get confused, it doesn't work as a mandibular advancement device, right? It's not, it doesn't have like stuff on the sides that's keeping the lower jaw forward. It's just an upper it's, palate. It's, so it's an upper appliance but it is a mandibular advancement appliance because the way it's designed, it's on a pivot. So it pivots the jaw forward. So like if I 
what I look like right now, and then I put it in my jaw posture. It would because it's 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 a slide. Think about going down a slide on the playground. Oh, forward. The difference though is that the body does not like to be braced. So mandibular advances work great in theory, but the body does not like to be held into a position. And so this appliance gets your jaw forward when it needs to be forward. And then when your body doesn't want your jaw forward that much, it can just slide back to where it wants to be versus just holding you in one position. Okay. And that was key for me because when I first saw Mike, I was in a back brace. I didn't mention this, but and I don't think it, I've mentioned this on any podcast, but I was in a back brace. It's an exclusive, and Jasmine. This is an exclusive just for Emma and sleep apnea stories. Yes. I was in a back brace. I had paid about $4,000 for chiropractic therapy because as a dentist, back pain is a big thing for dentists. Yes. And so I was finally pain-free and I was in this back brace and Mike looks at me and he goes, you're going to have to get rid of that back brace. And I said, like hell I am. I'm not getting rid of this back brace, Mike. Now, after he healed my this ankle. This back brace is how I'm making it. I'm making it. I'm surviving, you know? Yeah. But once he healed my ankle in two sessions, I said, well, I'm going to listen because he's got proof behind. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And so I got rid of the back brace. And let me tell you, Emma, <laughs> day one of work, in my mind, I was saying so many cuss words. I was cussing Mike out so much in my head day one. Day two, day three, day four. Day five, the back pain went away and never came back. Um, but the first couple days, Mike <laughs> knows what's up. I was cussing him out in my head. Every child that came in, if they only if their parents only knew what I was saying in my mind, mm -hmm. I probably would have to hear anymore. But what he was telling me is that the body doesn't like to be braced. Motion is lotion. The body likes movement. Bracing mm -hmm. is bad for the body. Temporarily, yes, like you know, you twist your ankle, whatever. But like a couple days to like a couple weeks max, not months at a time, not, yes. you know, so with, so the thing about the mandibular advancement is you want the jaw to go forward. You want to move it forward. That's why there's this platform sliding that jaw forward, but you can't hold and brace it there because the body doesn't like that. So now we're, as the old people used to say, growing up, the old black ladies used to say, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're fixing one thing. Not just the not her. just the black ladies, because oh, my grandmother too. Oh, is it Scot Scottish? Okay, good. Okay. I wasn't so, sure. Was just so, like you know, like the the farmers uh high school, you know, like the farmers' wives, apparently that was a thing too. Look, <laughs> I said correct and I wasn't sure if it was something <laughs> listeners would know about, but yeah, it's like so, yeah, you're robbing like, Peter to pay Paul. You know, it's like you're advancing in one area to just take a debt somewhere else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know. But if you need it, it's no, and that's no knock to the mandibular advancement de device. It has its, it has its place. Yeah. But for people who understand, like, I'm like, people don't, don't abandon your therapy if it's keeping your sleep apnea treated. <laughs> helping you, if it's helping you, yeah, abandon it. Don't stop doing it. For yeah. me, I was really into cranial therapy. I was really into like understanding that the brain has a movement. And and a and a and a and a just breathing. We call it primary respiration. You don't just breathe with with your lungs and your diaphragm. There's this movement. And as I took classes and I could feel that movement and understand it, I didn't want anything to disrupt that movement. And so mm -hmm. bracing and those types of things would disrupt that movement. And as I would mm -hmm. test my own body, we use applied kinesiology with the soma. So when we put it in your mouth, I actually start testing your strength to see: Are you stronger with this in? Are you mm -hmm. with this in? We test pain points throughout, not in the mouth, but throughout the body. So we do squeeze testing before the soma. We do squeeze testing with it in. So if I'm squeezing your, you're squeezing your SCM up here on your neck and I'm squeezing your traps and I'm squeezing your hand, if that feels like painful, I haven't done my job. The soma's not right. We want to adjust it where the pain goes down. So people immediately leave calmer, pain down, strength up. So that, that's yeah. why I just my mind it was like you, you're getting results right there at the chair so the person leaves feeling like you're squeezing me I feel nothing where five minutes ago I was squeezing they were like ah like stop squeezing my neck it hurts yeah um, but that's what happens when you get the system balanced when you understand how the body perceives pain and you can change that mm -hmm. um, so it does so I mean clearly we could talk all day but yes. I am gonna have to wrap it up so tell people so you're basically the only person in America that's offering this, right? 
Right now, yes. Doctor okay. is coming in June. I don't have an exact date yet. I will maybe next week, but um, he's going to teach the same course that he taught in 2019 in Dr. Barry's office. The difference is I'm going to do a summary each day and kind of like bring it together for people because I didn't really get most of the course. It was great, mm -hmm. knowledgeable, but I, I couldn't like take it and like start doing stuff with it. Yeah. So together we're going to teach a course this summer because we want, you know, the SOMA to be used by many, many doctors. It's, it's yeah. that great. It does take time. Like I said, it took me three years to go, you know what, I'm going to go to Australia and like sit with him and his patients and really ask him the tough questions mm -hmm. and, and work with my own SOMA and then touch other SOMAs. Like it took me three years to feel confident. I want to shorten that time frame for other providers. Yeah. So um, if people want to work with you, so you said you have people traveling from all over so they can just, what's the best place for people to contact you? Yeah, so by the time you cut and edit this, my website may be up. So my website is uh, painfreeandrested.com, painfreeandrested.com. I know you'll have that link somewhere. I will. I'll um, link it in the show notes. Yes. In the meantime, um, because they sent me the website and I hated it. And you know me, perfectionist. I was like, no, mm -mm, can't relaunch that. So no website right now. But um, I do have an Instagram specifically for Soma. It's called Sleep With Soma. And so that just came out. You can link uh, that as well. Yes. So they can go there. They can send a DM to Sleep with Soma. Um, I have a personal Instagram page, rich underscore sleep, where they can DM mm -hmm. me as well. And those are like the easiest ways right now. But like I said, by the time you put this out, the website will be up and they just go Perfect. to the website. Well, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. That's also the place to get in touch if you just want to say hi or ask a question. Alternatively, you can always reach me on Instagram. My handle there is at sleepapneastories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. This really helps a wider audience to find the episodes and I really appreciate it.